Well, the cost of a GST deal negotiated by the Turnbull government to shore up votes in Western Australia could blow out to $50 billion over the next decade. That's the conclusion of modelling by two different economists who are calling on the Productivity Commission to recommend the abolition of the top-up payment when it's reviewed next. The state receives a minimum of 70 cents for every dollar of GST raised. That figure is due to rise to 75 cents in 2024-25. Now, the West Australian government uh, is warning that touching the GST deal would result in the Albanese government losing every seat in the state. So the stakes politically couldn't be higher. Independent economist Saul Eslake is one of those calling for the GST system to be changed and he ran this data. I spoke to him earlier. Good to have you back, Saul. Just remind us what this deal was, if you can't remember the kind of division between the East and the West uh, in this country and what Western Australia gets out of the GST system. Well, the changes made by the Morrison government in 2018 with the support of the then Labor opposition fundamentally changed the basis on which revenue from the GST since 2000 had been carved up among them. The long-standing objective was to ensure that irrespective of which state they lived in, people could have access to broadly similar standards of public services whilst paying broadly similar levels of state taxation. And Western Australia had been a major beneficiary of that system. But then, beginning in the early 2000s, when Western Australia found itself benefiting from the mining boom, it found itself raking in billions of dollars of mining royalty revenues, and Western Australians started complaining that they were only getting, as they put it, 30 cents in the dollar of the GST, which they said they paid. Now, this was always a fallacious argument because nobody, least of all the taxation office, actually knows how much GST is collected in or paid by the residents of any state. But eventually, the Morrison government succumbed to that pressure at a time when there were six Western Australians in the federal cabinet and at a time when the coalition held 12 out of 15 seats from Western Australia in the House of Representatives, seats which they couldn't afford to lose going into the 2019 or 22 elections, seats which the Labor Party knew it had to win if they were to have any chance of winning either the 2019 or 2022 elections. So what the Morrison government did was instead of raising the fiscal capacity, as it's called, of the weaker states, typically Tasmania, Queensland, South Australia and the two territories, to that of the strongest state, which for most of the past 20 years has been Western Australia. Instead, their fiscal capacity would be raised to the stronger of New South Wales or Victoria. Second, it was decreed that no state would get less than 70% in 2023-24 and 2024-25 of what they would have got under an equal per capita distribution of GST revenues. Now, because the GST distribution is a zero-sum game, that is, if one state gets more, the others will all get less, in order to cajole the eastern states into agreeing to something that would obviously make them worse off, the Morrison government said that they would top up the GST pool so that no state or territory would be worse off than it would have been under the old system. And that was supposed to cost, according to the estimates at the time, 
$8.2 billion over a period of eight years. You, yeah, in fact, you've concluded this will cost $50 billion over a decade. What's that based on? Well, with iron ore prices having been much higher than had been assumed when this deal was originally put together, the most recent estimate is that these changes will cost the federal government $38.2 billion over 11 years. And even that assumption assumes that the iron ore price will go down to 60 US dollars a tonne by September this year. If it stays where it is today, well over $100 a tonne, then this could end up costing the federal government $50 billion over 11 years. And that's an enormous sum of money. It's probably the biggest blowout in the cost of any federal government program, with the possible exception of the National Disability Insurance Scheme. Independent economist Saul Eslake is here on RN Drive. We're talking about the rising costs of the GST carve-up uh, to Western Australia. The view from the West, uh, certainly from the Treasurer, Rita Safiotti, today is that her state's giving away up to 30% of their population's share um, and also this idea that it would jeopardise mining projects. You talked about the iron ore price there. What, what do you think of those statements? I understand why the Western Australian government is making them, and I've never blamed either Western Australian state governments or Western Australian members of the federal parliament for trying to screw as much money out of Canberra as they possibly can. <laughs> I mean, that's what voters expect state governments and their federal members to do. What I blame is other federal members of parliament and uh, both the current and the former federal government for not seeing through these shallow and specious arguments and putting narrow political interests of their own respective parties above the national interest. Yes, it's true, as Western Australians say, that there's never been a previous occasion when a state has received so small a share of GST revenues relative to its share of the population. That's true. But What's also true is that there has never been a time in Australian history where one state has been so much richer than the rest of Australia and has had such an extraordinarily greater capacity to raise revenue, in this case from mining royalties, than the rest of Australia. So the system was actually working as it should have done. I mean, the key point here is that the whole system, the, whole, the principles under which the distribution of grants from the Commonwealth was uh, set up, was set up for Western Australia in the mid-1930s. They benefited from it for the best part of 70 years. They got, to use their term, more than 100 cents in the dollar of revenue that was coming to the states from Canberra. They saw nothing wrong with that. But as soon as they had to put into a pot from which they'd happily drawn for the best part of seven decades, they threw their toys out of the cot and wanted the rules changed. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. It's such a great example of how our federated model uh, probably lets us down. Independent economist Saul Eslake, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Uh, that's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.